to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Malshausen. And we are recording on International Working Women's Day, or if you want to hashtag it on Twitter, International Women's Day. Or hashtag Women's Day, or hashtag Balance for Better. Or better balance, or I don't remember what it is. What the fuck is balance for better? It's, you know, more equality, more better, you know, hashtag (laughs) the best, or whatever the fuck. More equality, more better. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. I'm... So you know a lot more about this than I do. So Mm. what's kind of the history of this? Because I have feelings about it these days. It is originally socialist. (laughs) Of course it is. Um, uh, We were discussing what to talk about on the podcast, and I was like, well, that one's socialist, so (laughs) clearly topical for our podcast. (laughs) It's when women started working in the workforce and they were demanding better, better pay, better rights when they were working, especially around the... um, So this was... When when labor strikes in general, or when labor uprisings were happening in general in the 1900s, and then uh, when women started joining, we had things like the Triangle T-shirt fire, uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the radium women, <laughs> or the cesium women who were licking radioactive uh, paintbrushes and glowing because they oh, were making yeah. watches. So this was this was around that time, and uh, these working women joined up with the labor unions to not only demand better pay overall and demand a 40-hour work week, but also demanding better pay for women in general and on purpose. And it it drew in with the suffragists and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, the first country to recognize International Working Women's Day was the USSR. Recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. <laughs> oh, uh, but it's another it's, excuse to use my communism drop. Uh, <laughs> but currently, it is a recognized holiday in 27 countries, including China, Ukraine, and Vietnam. So, hmm, wonder, wonder why, wonder why I. So I, for a living, uh, am in marketing. I know we've talked a little bit about this before. And part of what I do since I work for a very, very small company, there's two people in the marketing department. And we've kind of hijacked a third person who's partly events, partly social media, and partly um, customer service into like our little like marketing and design team so very 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 small team and so a lot of what I do is um, around social media strategy and we've made a really conscious decision as a company to not interact with holidays or you know to our hashtags or whatever that may be good causes but aren't particularly relevant to what we do as a company um Like, for instance, we didn't take, like, a picture of Martin Luther King and then slap a quote on it and put it up on our Instagram because we don't have anything to do in a direct manner with, you know, civil justice and Mm -hmm. all of that kind of thing. And so, like, I guess today, like, SodaStream was, like, doing, like, a special SodaStream for International Women's Day and, like, donating profits to groups that empower women i'm just like but you guys make carbonated water well you know because only german women speak it's a fat fuck (laughs) because only women drink sparkling water obviously because the bubbles are gay or something um um, i hang out with teenagers and oh Huge list. Of I had shit just taken day. a sip of wine. I want you to know that that was me trying very hard not to spit wine all over my laptop. Mm. Yeah, my, I hang out with high schoolers, and there is a prohibitively long list of shit that's gay, like dark <laughs> chocolate and 
Um, Dark chocolate's gay? Apparently. And, well, we like, always knew I was a queer bitch, so... Yeah, so, like, just, just a huge long list. I really... Sabrina, I need you to report back on the most non-sequitur food items that high schoolers consider gay. This is very important investigative reporting that I am going to need from you for the next time that we record. I mean, other than dark chocolate and sparkling water, I'll see what I can find. I, I, it's, I not just, it's not just food. It's a whole fucking list of things. Like, Yeah, but I, I mean, just focus on the non-sequiturs. Yeah. Just, you know, keep, keep, the, keep a honed, trained journalistic eye out i'll try we need to know we need to know what what the teens think these days because i'm dying (laughs) don't forget to eat your dove bites go lick some pussy (laughs) christ oh suck some cock i it's see it's gay it's not lesbian so when mm. when teenagers go gay they specifically mean man on man women on women don't ever come into the picture sexist sexism on international women's day i will not oh. i won't have it <laughs> oh dear um speaking of i give all my female students the one that identifies female and not the ones that identify as non-binary or trans um or unless they identify as trans women, and then I give them a hug. I give all my female students hugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone's, every fucking year, when's International Man's Day? It's November 2nd, but they're encouraging you to check your prostate. So. <laughs> you don't need to do that yet. <laughs> well, what are you drinking to celebrate International Working Women's Day? Well, I'm drinking a 2016 Deutsche Pradixwein Spätlese Weinheisen Süß from Rose Creek. And uh, a Spätlese is the last of the grapes. The very last of the grapes uh, made into a wine. So it's a sweet wine? Oh, it's an... It's got legs! And it's very sweet. (laughs) And it knows how to use them. (laughs) Uh, I'm drinking... A Chianti. Um, uh, it's a 2016 Marchese. I can't do Italian. Guadiani. That's that's wrong, but it's not what I'm going with. Um, I bought this one because I was walking through. I went to the local liquor store just a couple blocks from my house, rather than the nice big one by work. And I was like going through and I was like, oh, had that on the podcast, had that on the podcast. Oh, that looks good. Oh, no, it's $20. And like, I was like, ah, this doesn't look like a particularly good Chianti, but it's $10. And I don't think I've had a Chianti on the podcast yet. I don't think you have, but no fava beans, right? No, nope. I uh, had one of what I call my struggle meals tonight. (laughs) Um, I made ramen because I couldn't be asked to do anything else. I had a pork chop, but I don't make pork chops well. I gotta work on it, because the two, the last two I've had have just not been great, and I'm doing something wrong. When I have, it's, it's a bone-in pork chop. When I don't mm. have the bone-in, they're fabulous. But when I do, they're disgusting, and I don't know why. I'll send you some recipes after we record. Yeah. Do you want to get into it? Uh, I mean, that's why we're here. (laughs) Well, today we're watching Season 1, Episode 3 of Psych, Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. But they did a play on words and spelled it P-I-E-C-E. Which made me think that there was going to be guns in there, but no. No. If you're going to pun the title... Make sure the title pun makes sense. Yeah, I really, I mean, I was, maybe they were talking about piece of jewelry. I I guess, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't use piece in that way. Piece Uh, of, I mean, it it was just poorly punned. Poorly punned. Not a fan. But we start as uh, common with Psych. 
with a flashback. And we're in 1985, and little Sean is kind of looking around the house, looking behind the curtains, goes into the kitchen, looking under, you know, coffee, under the table, and he is playing hide and seek. And his dad is sitting there at the kitchen table and watching him do it, and he's like, listen, you're doing it all wrong. If you are making so much noise, he's going to know exactly where you are. You've got to, like, trail him like a perp. Okay. And we just get another... Another insight into Sean's terrible childhood. At least he's giving him hints this time. Yeah, he did actually teach him how to sneak, which I guess comes in handy. Uh, But he also tells him to play right or don't play at all. That's such bullshit. When your five-year-old gets into soccer, you're not going to be like, you're not Ronaldo. You can't play anymore. I mean... (laughs) There are plenty of parents who do. Yes, I know. And they're fucking terrible parents. Like, anyone can become a parent. Literally anyone can become a parent. (laughs) And all it takes is sperm meeting egg. That's literally all it takes. And that that is a very low bar. That's a (laughs) very low bar. So... There, I don't think anyone, there are some really good parents out there and there are some really shite parents out there. And um, most parents fall somewhere in the middle. They have their shite days and they have their fabulous days. But Sean's father is an absolute shite father. And every time it opened on this damn, like, you know, flashback and I was like, for fuck's sake. I was glad he really wasn't in this episode too much. That's like, he gets one other kind of like extraneous, very superfluous scene where again, yeah, that he didn't need, but okay. Yeah. I, I liked the episode better for the lack of him. Yes. (laughs) We do flash forward to present day where Sean is putting his sneaking skills to work. Yes. Because he is trying to eavesdrop on Juliet and Lassiter as they talk to Chief Interim Police Chief Karen Vick. Apparently, there has been a heist and the son of the Attorney General is getting married and the ring has gone and something has gone missing. And Juliet wants to put out a press release about how the Santa Barbara police are going to be involved. And Lassiter, being the grump that he is, shoots her down immediately. Yes. Uh, gone. Gone. (laughs) Fuck. Gus sees Sean in his little sneaky position and uh, reveals that they actually do have a case to be working on. It's about computers being stolen at a local high school. But Sean's like, that case is boring. I don't want to do it. And let's do this other case. But Chief Vic isn't budging. Yep. And I I actually looked something up. So Police Chief Vic is pregnant in the mm-hmm. show, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that she's pregnant in the show is because um, her actress, Kirsten Nelson, mm-hmm. was pregnant during the pilot. But she'd had the kid by the time that the show got picked up. And mm-hmm. so everything, she's not actually pregnant in the show. She's only pregnant in the pilot. Nice. <laughs> but they wanted to keep it in for continuity's sake. I thought that was really great. Nice. Um, I also found it was really interesting. We, we ragged a little bit on, um, on Vic and Juliet last time for the, the uniform. But I would like to point out that Juliet is wearing some very tall heels in this. Yes. Scene. Very tall heels for a police officer. Also, the police station. Is... Very tall heels for a person who wears heels, even. Yeah. <laughs> and the police station bothers me for some reason and I can't put my finger on it and it's because California police stations don't look like that. I'm pretty sure most police stations don't look like that. It's a very pretty police station. It was super posh with like Mexican tiling and like these huge and I was like the fuck is going on here? Like 
I wonder if they like found a old library or something to shoot in. It's possible. Because it looks like it could be a library, like the actual building. Yes. Gus also doesn't want to budge on this case. He's like, do this case. I've got like actual pharmaceutical shit to do because I have a real job. I'm not a detective. <laughs> and Sean's like, fine. So he sneaks into the interview room to talk to the attorney generally's, gen- attorney generally's uh, family, uh, which this has probably some of the worst acting in this series so far. That guy who plays the um, the son, just not good. Just not, not, not good. No, um, Dylan Maxwell. Not, not so good. No. But we get to meet him. We get to meet Gina Holden, who is a five Canadian actor. <laughs> good day welcome to the great white north uh canadian corner uh she has a lot of bit parts but the thing i specifically recognized her from was early seasons of suits Ah. Um, but she's a bc native and as such can you guess what show she's been on oh she's been in she was in supernatural (laughs) that she was A really fucking early episode. It was one of... See, the the thing about Supernatural is I stopped watching a long-ass time ago, and it's still happening. I know, it's crazy. It is 14 years old or something ridiculous like that. The episode she was in was a particularly good episode, too. And it's so sad when you look at the early episodes and see how good they are because they were so cheaply made. And so they mm. had to do with, like, tension and music. And, to and see, writing. And writing. And see what's happening now. And it's like, this is the worst. It is so bad. When you dip in to, like, the Supernatural fandom on Tumblr, you're like, what the fuck is happening? What is happening? <laughs> And then you get straight back out. (laughs) I admittedly was a huge fan of Supernatural. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But I have books. Like, (laughs) I I watched, I could quote it. I had merch. Uh, Like, but oh my God. Like, that is an embarrassing thing that I kept it. Uh, that I keep in a closet somewhere. I've literally Marie Kondo'd it out of my life. Just, uh. I, uh, that's, it's like one of those like uh, fandoms where you're like, you stick your toe in and the little fish start to clean the feet, the flesh off, the dead, dead skin off. And you're like, nope, not here for this. Not here for that. That is an uncomfortable sensation. Okay, one, I'm going to, I'm going to bear my soul a little bit. One year for NaNoWriMo, I wrote a fucking... Super Hulock fanfic. Oh, Sabrina. Mm. No. Mm. Sabrina. Mm. I know. We we have banned Sherlock is mm. Yeah, no no no. No no no. Trust me. Trust let's see what it was about. Mysterious deaths around the world have no real explanation and no real sign of stopping. Can Sherlock Holmes and John Watson find the culprits? And is the last plausible answer really the best solution? That's a pretty good summary of anything, really. Thank you. But <laughs> I, I used a screenshot from Supernatural as my book cover. It's called oh, Two Deaths of the Kingdom. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> and we cut to title. <laughs> I hate that fucking intro song. But I really love it. It's such a fun jingle. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so bad. Like, such a basic bitch with my sparkling water and dark chocolate. Yes, you basic lesbian. <laughs> Sean, of course, decides he wants some backup, so he rings Gus, who just hangs up on him. And... Because Gus isn't coming, he sneaks into the hotel by himself. So he can eavesdrop again on the Attorney General being a giant dick to Lassiter. He also is in a psych episode 
without Sean pulling some hijinks. Uh, he gets confronted by a security guard, so he lies about there being spores in the hotel. Yes. This gets him access to everywhere. Yeah. And so he gets into the air vents, and we get to see Lasseter giving a video presentation. From this video presentation, we get uh, the much-needed exposition for the viewer. Um, The ring itself is worth $5 million. It was placed inside of a safe after the rehearsal dinner, which wasn't opened again until the a.m., Lassiter also notices nine glitches in the tape, so he thinks that the tape could have been edited. Or, even more likely, somebody could have recreated a scale model of the room. Yeah, so I was like, wait, so he oceaned 11 that shit? And then Sean (laughs) said it later, and I was like, you didn't have to say it, we all knew it. Like, that was one of the things I didn't like in the script. I was like... Literally everyone knows what Ocean's Eleven is. Everyone has either seen the 1968 version or has has the George Clooney version come out at this point. Yeah, the George Clooney one had been out, I think. Have you seen the 1968 version? Because I haven't. Yes. It's a heist film. I have seen all heist films. All Don't heist like films it. everywhere. Have you seen the old <laughs> Italian job? That one I want to watch. Yes. I hear the old Italian job is really, really good. The old Italian job is excellent. Excellent. It, um, I've always wanted a Mini Cooper because of the old Italian job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, so everyone knew that he was making an Ocean's Eleven reference. You don't have to say it later. Like, please trust your audience. Sometimes your audience is stupid. But I also think it's more fun if it's just a reference and not explicit. Yeah. But like, I hate when like your audience is smart. We watch Jeopardy every night and we get over half of the answers. So we're pretty (laughs) bright. We're pretty bright. At least, you know, I do. But um, we're pretty (laughs) bright. We went to some stellar universities. We get it. I mean, this is certainly not the show that uh, overcomplicates things for their viewers, so... For fuck's sake, no. (laughs) We also learn that there is only one employee who does not have an alibi, and that is, um, I think, the hotel manager type. Um, I don't remember his actual title, but his name is Dietrich Mannheim. He was then subsequently questioned by Lassiter and was hostile. And when uh, Juliet questions Lassiter on this point, he's a dick to her. Yeah. The other thing is... Doesn't he know it's 2006 and there's women's rights and shit? (laughs) It was an International Women's Day when they had this (laughs) meeting. Um, Officer McNabb is a 10 American actor... Uh, that I recognize, but I didn't recognize I recognize because I have seen him in a series of unfortunate of unfortunate events, and he oh. was in he was in the Airsats elevator, and I didn't recognize that I recognized him because in the like in the in the episodes he looks v- slightly different, but when I looked him up. Because I felt like I recognized him in the show. I was like, ah, yes. So he's my ten. I don't know. F- I don't know anybody, really. But uh, there you go. Well, we have yet another uh, native British Colombian. Good day and welcome to the Great White North uh, Canadian Corner. So technically five Canadian actor. Yeah. Uh, but. But. He's in a Hallmark Christmas movie. No, well, I don't watch those, so. They're a bit heteronormative for me. They are quite heteronormative, but I need to see it now. 
Unless he's not actually anything <laughs> important. He might not be anything it? important. Do, do, do. Bride for Christmas. No! He's the, br- he's the groom! Oh, nice. So I guess you need to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I recognized him. So anyway, he was in that scene. Lasseter thinks he's laughing, but it's really Sean. Who also, I like this, was trying not to drool on Lasseter. Like, <laughs> you could see him wiping his face. So that was kind of funny. I was like, I know that feeling. You're trying not to drool because you're lying on your, <laughs> you're lying on your stomach. So all your drool is coming out of your mouth. Not that I've ever been an air vent, but you know what I mean. Well, Sean wiggles his way out of the air vents and goes and tracks down Juliet for lunch. At which point he decides to try and. Uh, read her palm and have a little like ooh we're building romantic chemistry scene which really didn't amount to a whole lot no i've got we've got two episodes left <laughs> <laughs> i keep thinking about that i'm like yes we're almost done with sean <laughs> we are almost done thank god and then we cut to a gus's office where a secretary uh, shows up at his door and tells him that there's been a phone call and his cat is in the animal hospital. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but the office in this episode is not the office that Gus had in the pilot. It is a major downgrade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad. I literally just drew a, smi- uh, a frowny face. Next to new office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Gus. Uh, but as she's, rev- you know, Gus is trying to brush her off and um, it just keeps attracting more and more attention until Gus finally has to relent. And who should be waiting outside on his car but one Sean Spencer? Yep. And Gus tries to brush him off and brush him off, but he gets reeled in by the promise of safe nerdery which i think is like the most relatable thing honestly yeah i love gus i do too so they head back to the hotel so that gus can get a get a glimpse of his darling safe i forget what they called it it's like a hobby something or other or start with an h mm-hmm. um but interim police chief vic catches them in the lobby and she's like oh well the secretary did steal the computers in the other case, Sean. Thanks for solving that in two seconds by looking at a file that apparently no one else looked at. Uh, and I didn't see you here, and don't call me until you have something. Bye-bye. That was the most paper-thin case ever. If they had had one officer on that case. Yeah. Hell, even the school resource officer could have done that. Like, it's not difficult. As a teacher, it... It is incredibly hard to walk off with some technology. Everything is labeled with an obnoxious bright yellow label, for one. And then then two, it generally doesn't work off of the school network. So you have a useless piece of tape. Yes, it's true. It was 2006. Security measures were very different. You didn't need to have 18 different passwords for everything. Hell, I don't even have 18 different passwords. I have two. Because... (laughs) Because... No, no, no. No, no, no. That's bad. OPSEC. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. For work. Because Google doesn't talk to Microsoft Office 365. So that's That's where I have two different passwords. And they are completely different... They are work passwords. They don't look anything like my personal passwords. I have good yeah. OPSEC, but I'm just saying Google and Microsoft Office 365 don't talk to each other. Well, yeah, they don't want them to. Obviously. <laughs> I realize that. So I have so many issues with moving Google Docs to other formats. It's fucking terrible. When my students when my students do presentations, I get two presentations. I get Google Slides and I get Microsoft's uh the the PowerPoint. Uh Microsoft PowerPoint. And I'm just like, thank you. At least you can awesome. 
download Google Slides into a PowerPoint, and they keep the fonts now, which didn't used to happen. Ooh. I know. New and fancy. It's nice. I cannot wait to stop doing all this shit. (laughs) Well, in addition to his spores lie, Sean has made a new friend. Bobby, the desk clerk, thinks Sean is from Interpol. And James Roday does an English accent that is worse than mine. <laughs> I'm a student who every day tries an Irish accent on me, and I'm like, nope. That's <laughs> terrible. I'm not even going to do one because I'm shit at Irish accents, but I'm just, I'm just like, no. All right, if you do your Irish accent, I'll do my Irish accent, which is it? <laughs> as in most people's Irish accents. Oh, no. No, no, no. I, uh, no. I don't want, uh, Irish mafia to come after me and kill me. Do it. They're not gonna kill you for a bad Irish accent. Lucky Charms is still advertising. (laughs) Thank you. I thought that was good, too. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Hello. Bolt, shot, money, money. I can do words. I can do words. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's a good, good normal Bass. sentence to say? Ham. Ham for dinner. Periwinkle blue. Periwinkle blue. <laughs> My Irish accent's not that bad. <laughs> okay we're done we're done we'll stop we won't inflict this on our listeners <laughs> maybe then they'll send the mafia after us I would, um, like i said i'm i'm good i am pro ira sometimes so shoot fade all the way please don't kill me um hashtag communism in recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. <laughs> Everyone's been talking about the backstop with Brexit. Mm. And, like, they're talking about, you know, it's going to be the rise of the IA and things like that. And I'm like, look, just let Northern Ireland go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just stop it. You colonize this random part of a whole motherfucking island and brainwashed these people and are thinking that because the Republic of Ireland is Catholic, they're obviously, you know, demon spawn. And I feel like that Northern Ireland has a lot more in common with the Republic of Ireland than it does with England, Wales, and Scotland. And the sooner we get to that, I know, I know what the Troubles did. I'm not Mm. unaware. I'm not unaware of the history there. But... When we have this pseudo-border, walls are still in people's minds. And once we get rid of that wall, we it, it will take a long time. People in East Germany still feel the wall, like, to this day. Mm-hmm. And we've been reunified well, since been, 89. Like, I know, it's barely been a generation. Yeah, so we've been, we've been reunified since 1989. So there is still a wall. Even though the the border is invisible and unnecessary, and I, walls make for very uneasy neighbors, and a wall, even an invisible one, will be terrible. And so this backstop, this Northern Irish backstop, we keep talking about it. But the best thing is, and I'm saying this for all involved, is just let it die. Devolve. Devolve. Well, and I actually, I mean, I think a lot of Irish people would agree with that. (laughs) I mean, a lot of Irish people do agree with that, but it's very difficult to say because we do have people whose parents were killed in the Troubles. It's not, it's not something like my, it's not something like my great grandmother. It's my father. So... Trying to talk to people where the scars are still very fresh. I understand that. Trying to talk to East Germans about the fact that they are 
no longer in a fascistic place like Stalin's mm-hmm. USSR. It's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Americans don't understand that very much. Because, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, it's it's America's a weird country in that respect. Because, yeah. again, we haven't had... Haven't had a war on our soil in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, even in America, you still have a pretty hard north-south divide. Like You do, you, but you, it's not as bad. No, I'm not. I mean, obviously the wounds have, have but it, just even to say, though, like, it's been, what, 200 years almost? Not quite, but like 160? And that divide is still there right Mm -hmm. so you haven't even the scars take a very very long time to heal is all yeah all i'm saying oh yeah and i mean honestly like and yeah and and my mom and i visited northern ireland in 2014 and we ended up actually in belfast on Mm -hmm. an anniversary i don't remember what what year anniversary of the troubles of the signing of the accord Mm-hmm. and uh there was like a lovely concert at the town hall and stuff like that and it was really moving to to be there and accidentally get to experience that um and learn a lot more about the troubles because i didn't know like i mean i knew it happened but i didn't know anything you know while i was there mm-hmm. and yeah i mean I, I think i mean i'm certainly not at all qualified to do an Irish accent, let alone talk about anything re-Ireland, but... <laughs> I'm not 100% qualified to talk about what's going on. More that I I feel some type of way about the British Isles, and they should yeah. all... Minus... The, the problem would be, if they all devolved, and they all became their separate, uh, you know, thing, Wales would crash and burn. And it would well, be the thing a about thing. yeah, I mean, the difference though is Ireland is an i is an island. Yeah, right. Like, like as much as you can say, oh, I, they, Ireland is legitimately a separate place, <laughs> and and so it makes a lot more sense than saying Wales should leave the UK as well. Yeah, um, the United Kingdom of. Scotland, England, and Wales is a very different from the United Kingdom of Scotland, England, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And yeah. as someone who really only has a grasp on England, but understands the struggles of devolving, um, I gotta say that a colonization happened even within England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland are still dealing with the effects of colonization. To this day, they never mm-hmm. got out of it. So it's one of those things where I respect them as a colonized person myself. Mm-hmm. And so I understand it. And a lot of people are like, but they're all white. So yes, they have a separate privilege for being Oh, a, like white but they have but scotland wales and northern ireland have a different sort of affectation for being a colonized for being colonized i would nations. i would dare any person who says oh they're all the same to go to scotland and call somebody english <laughs> so it's one of those moments when intersectionality comes into play that mm-hmm. Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland have been colonized by England, um, have been used, their resources have been used, have been starved, have been forced out of their culture. Oh, I don't know where, what word culture was trying to be. Culture. Have been forced out of their culture and now are suffering from the effects of the choices that England made as a whole. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway, you want to talk about something else that's pretty egregious? Sean gets to make room keys! Yeah, you see, this whole fucking episode just made me super uncomfortable. Yeah, this is a big... This is a akin to... This is, 
this is, is this worse than when Troy and Barnaby went into the houses without a warrant? Uh, it's just as bad. A, or it's even worse, actually, because Sean's I'm not even a police a officer. Bit on the side of it's not worse. I think it's. I feel like it's just your typical. I feel more betrayed when a cop invades your privacy than when a regular person invades your privacy. I suppose. I suppose I can see your argument. I don't know if it's really. I don't. I'm persu- I'm willing to be persuaded on either side, but that's my gut. Mm. <sighs> I just hated this. <laughs> I didn't like this. I don't like invasion of privacy. I, you know, as a like, oh, it's just gross. And it's the fact that when. So it's very hard when we go to a hotel, there's going to be a distinct lack of privacy as regards to being in your own home. Because you're not in your own home, you're paying to rent a room from someone. So your expectations of privacy are slightly lower. You have housekeeping, you have room service, you have, you know, you have a whole list of things of people who have access to your room at any given time. However, Sean is not on that list of people who have access. I expect. A, and he used deception to get that access. Oh, yeah. He's so, like a regular old con man. Yeah. So, like, everything he did was illegal. And I'm not one to say that, you know, laws are the bastion of morality. I'm not saying it's it, it's straight up illegal and also... Immoral. Also immoral. If you're not on the list of things to go in, you are not going to be in my hotel room. <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck? Or if I haven't invited you in my hotel room. It's like vampires. You don't get to come in if yeah. I haven't invited you. And or are on the payroll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it's even worse when it's people that we're supposed to trust. Not that I trust cops at all. I don't trust a cop no, as far as I can throw them. Not, it, it's not necessarily a trust thing. I mean, I guess it's a trust thing. It's also an abuse of pa- power thing. Yeah. All society tells us that cops should be trusted. Mm-hmm. Because You do grow up thinking that in a lot of... Even, even a lot of places where you are... I don't know. I think there's a lot of... The, the inherent trust them, trust them, trust them message gets to you even if you are a person who says they don't trust you. Yeah. They don't trust them. Yeah. So, we have this message of trusting a cop. So, yes, a breach of trust is bad. But if I don't even know who the fuck you are and you're coming into my hotel room, that's beyond, like, a bre- breach of trust. Like, that's, that's, like, that, I don't know. This bothered the fuck out of me. And then trying... Oh, so bad. And then trying to get Gus to also make room keys was beyond the pale. I was like, no, 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 no. Just because you're an immoral con man doesn't mean you can you get to make Gus an immoral con man. He needs to be your morality foil as much as he can be your anything foil. Gus plays a straight <laughs> man to whatever the fuck you're doing. And see, this is why I will never like Sean. Because Sean uses tactics that abusers use. And I don't like it. And I know he was abused. So of course he's going to use those tactics. But I can't get behind him in any way, shape, or form. Like, I cannot get behind and abuse it. I just can't. That's true. That's very true. I never really thought about it that way. But it's this is... Yeah, it's definitely that whole, like, come on, you can do it too. Imagine if you were an abused woman and somehow your boyfriend or partner managed to, to con the hotel person in, with some sob story into giving them a key to your bedroom. Like, that's what Sean is doing. That is what Sean is doing. Yeah. And it, and it wow. And I'm like, nope, I can't get behind you at all, ever. Ugh. And I'm yelling. And I'm sure my neighbors are like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's a Friday. Well, they take their ill-gotten room keys and they go to her rooms. Uh, they look in on Uncle Leo's room and rule him out right away. Mm-hmm. 
And in the next room, they open the door and then run smack dab into the wedding party. Um, the best man is still missing from the ring missing night. Um, the rehearsal dinner, that's what that's called. Does the best man ever show up? Or is it Not some... in the episode, though technically I guess he's at the wedding. What the, what the fuck is he doing? Why is this an extra subplot that doesn't I think get... It's, I think it's a poorly written red herring. It's a pink herring. It wasn't ever a red herring. It was... Here is this untied shoelace, and we're going to keep it untied and drive you fucking crazy the entire time. It's an albino herring. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, they, but they do find out, uh, from lying their way into this, that on the rehearsal dinner, they were all pissy at the mess band for going missing because everybody had to pull together and make bouquets because the florist canceled. What kind of, what kind of fucked up wedding is this? $200,000 and no florist. I don't understand. I don't. I don't think so, but okay. Right. I feel I mean, like, okay, I feel like the writers had never been to a wedding and were like, okay, name everyone that's at a wedding. <laughs> what can we do with this? The floor is canceled. <laughs> uh, the fuck? The DJ's gonna be drunk and just sleep and forget the wedding. That could be the most, like. But how do you turn that into a mystery? Exactly. They, then the next suite they slip into is Lassiter's suite. And they learn that the attorney general will collect $3 million in insurance money if the ring is never found while it's still in his possession. And it is technically in his possession until the wedding. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the actual red herring. Yes. So this right here, I understood. Although I might have missed that. No, I didn't. I didn't miss that. I was, but I had forgotten about that little plot point. And then when Sean was asking about like, if there were money troubles, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> but now, the, okay, the... now that you actually explained that, I understand the questioning thing. Like, I just might have just absolutely just blanked on that. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like... This writing could have been better. Anyway, so after they find this information, they go downstairs and Gus is insisting on seeing the safe because there was no mark on the safe and because he is a giant geek. It's Hydra, the Hydra 7000 or something. Hydra, yes. 700, I think. Uh, 700 to 7,000. It started with a 7. Because there's no mark on the safe, it means it hasn't been cracked. So no one got the ring out via traditional safe cracking methods. Although, if it's a timer safe, you would just have to reset the timer. So there wouldn't necessarily be... See, I'm not a safe nerd. But, um... hmm That's what they all say. <laughs> I'm not a safe nerd, but I'm in certain uh, communities, and one of the things they use is a time lock safe. And to get around the time lock safe, they usually do some resetting, which doesn't cause any marks. God, this sounds really sketchy. <laughs> it does. It does sound very sketchy, Sabrina. Are you sure you're not a spy? Okay, I was absent this Monday because I had to take my mom to the doctors. And I didn't tell my students I was leaving anything. But I had a sub, I had all their work, and then I just showed up on Tuesday because it was Mardi Gras. And I was like, I gotta go to work on Mardi Gras because I gotta give out the king cake because it's tradition. Mm -hmm. And so they, everyone was like, oh, you're back. Where were you? And I was like, out. <laughs> and then like, you, you, it has been, it has been a meme that Madame Marshausen is a spy because she speaks German and French and five other languages. She has two passports. The clear sign of somebody trying to skip the country. 
she has lived on every continent except Antarctica. And also, she just disappears sometimes for a day. Well, Sean wants to pull his spy maneuver as well and get back up into the vent so they can go examine the safe. So to get, but because the vent entrances that he had gone through last time are now guarded by the cops, he decides that they can go up the dumbwaiter and get into the vents that way. You can't, but okay. Yeah. But they open the dumbwaiter in the kitchen and there is a dead body. If you're going to be a cozy murder mystery, the death needs to be a lot more than just a slight inconvenience. Yeah. Halfway through the show. There was literally no investigation of this dead body. Mm-hmm. None. This is another reason that I'm not really into the show, because the murder seemed to be tacked on. The show would have been fine with just, how did this heist work? Mm-hmm. And they had enough hijinks, they had enough... What? Okay, I have to explain this. My best friend and I used to watch Vikings. We kind of stopped. It, it It lost our interest. Once again, it was one of those shows that went on for way too long. It's in its fifth season now. Um, the lead character in the first four seasons was Ragnar. Ragnar Yeah, Lossbrook. that beautiful man. Ah, oh, Travis Fimmel. Holy shit. So beautiful. Okay, so I... <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk about Travis Fimmel now because he's definitely on my list and I think he might be higher than Sean Bean. What? Are we, wait, are we drastically redefining the Sean Bean scale right no, now, live actually, on air? <laughs> in my shed off the M62. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, you didn't see that tweet? No, I did not. Okay, American Podcast, colon, we'd like to thank our sound editor, our storyboard editor, our etc., etc., and our personal trainer, our theme music was done by the Beatles and the London Symphony Orchestra. British podcast, hashtag, with the weird font. We made this in a shed off the M62. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's me. Uh, hashtag me. Anyway, so let me, no, okay, Sean Bean's still at the top of the list. He's my oldest love. But let me talk about Travis Fimble. <laughs> he, okay. He was a model who became a star. And he's actually a really good actor, which is the weird thing. He actually yeah. was a really good actor. I mean, actor. I watched, I think, the... I don't know if I remember... I think I watched the full first season of Vikings. But, yeah, I like him. He was... He went with Calvin Klein, and then he was with The Gap. I used to be a mall junkie. I would go to the mall. I would <laughs> go to the mall, like, four times a week. And he did a campaign for The Gap. And so his posters were, like, everywhere in the gap and I was like and this was when he was in Tarzan and I'm in the gap and I'm like oh my god I'm watching him on Tarzan and the eight episodes of Tarzan and so I'm like can I have this poster and they're like well when his campaign ends in a month we'll save one for you and don't you know that they did oh that's some above and beyond service good job gap and so, years later, my mother goes, are you watching Vikings on the History Channel? And I go, no. And she goes, the first episode's really sexy. Yeah, the first episode, they propositioned some poor guy for a threesome. So, yeah. It's very sexy. And everybody is so attractive. <laughs> and so I watch it and I go, holy God, it's Travis Fimmel. And so... He just got on Instagram. This guy used to, he had a flip phone up until last year. Like, he lives in a trailer on some guy's farm in California. (laughs) He doesn't have a car. He rides a horse. Like, this guy is a Luddite. And, and he probably stinks. Like, I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, but he's the most, (laughs) he's the most beautiful creature in the history of the world and like i just love him so much and so he's up there he's very close to sean bean and i would 
Fuck him in the shower, just so he got clean. (laughs) (laughs) Would you call him a flaxen-haired Argonaut? No, because he is really gross. I can't just... (laughs) His his trailer doesn't have running water. So he goes... Oh, no. You see what I mean? Like... No. You see what I mean? Um, I do, I do, I do. Well, the reason I bring up the flaxen-haired Argonaut is because it was my favorite quote from Sean this episode. Mm. Uh, And he says it during the bachelor party that he throws for Dylan. In Lassiter's suite. Yep. They're hosting that because the best man still hasn't been found. And Dylan reveals, well... I thought they were going to find the best man dead. That was my thing. Yeah! Yeah, the uh, man that they found dead was Dietrich Mannheim. Mm-hmm. So not the, just as a general observation. But the only suspect that didn't have an alibi. Yes. Dylan reveals, though, that he never wanted the ring. Because he was like, he made it all about him. Mm-hmm. Didn't like how his dad stole his thunder. But that's all that they get out of him because he passes out right after. So they crash the bachelorette instead. Sister Lacey shows, uh, goes off with Sean and it's like, oh, look at this bouquet that I made. And oh, can you get it out of this locked case for me? I bet you have good hands. Just before Sean starts to gimp Jimmy the lock because clearly he's not... Hi, you're being manipulated, Sean. Fucking just don't. The only two women in this show, in this episode, worth anything, are the police detectives. It being International Women's Day, I gotta point out that all the women in this are stereotypes, including the police detectives. They're the strong women. Yeah, I the would strong say women actually. I would say Chief Vic isn't as stereotypy. Yeah. When you think of a police chief, they typically are like gruff and they hate the protagonist and all of that. When I think of but, a when I think of a woman police chief, I think of what's her name from Law and Order. I don't know because I don't watch Law and Order. I can't think of another female police chief that I watch regularly. She was she was a black female police chief and I loved her. Um, and I think of her and she got ovarian cancer. I think that there was a story. I think that she got cancer and they did her very well. She was, oh, Anita Van Buren, Lieutenant Anita Van Buren. Oh. And she well, was, she was just so good. She was so good. Yeah, I know. She, she just headed it. Oh, okay. She was, like, head of the department. Yeah, head of the department. Well, uh, the next day, they show up for the wedding. Sean goes into the bridal suite, and Lacey is again freaking out over the bouquets, trying to find hers specifically. Mm -hmm. Down at the desk, Lassiter goes to pick up his room service bill, and it's sky high. He has been duped. By somebody else pretending mm. to be him. Who could it be? Mm. Uh, mm. And he goes, to set, and he gets directed to the wedding where he knows Sean is. And Sean takes a seat next to Gus, and Sean's like, "God, I know we got to, we have to figure this out. We have to figure this out." And Gus is like, "Well, between your girlfriend freaking out and everything else, Sean finally has his aha moment." Of course, the priest gets to the speak now or forever hold your peace. And Sean has his psychic attack. It was Lacey all along! And she had thought that the ring was coming to her as the family heirloom because she was her grandmother's favorite. And she felt super betrayed that her dad gave it to her brother. And she wanted it so bad that she... With her magic sleight of hand that she shows off in the bridal suite scene. She had sleight of handed it out of the box, put the box in the safe. Safe was shut, but she had it the whole time. But the only person who didn't, the only person who wasn't fooled was Dietrich Mannheim, who saw her do 
do it. And then he tried to blackmail her. So she whacked him in the head with a fire extinguisher that just happened to be sitting on the table in the kitchen because, you know, that's totally what we do with fire extinguishers in the kitchen. Right. And managed to single-handedly put him in the dumbwaiter, even though he was much larger than she was. Which I think accounts for the scrapes. Because she had to kind of, like, push him in. Yeah, I guess. After Sean's confrontation, she's like, whatever, whatever. And then finally she bolts. And she ends up tripping over a lady's outstretched foot. And the bouquet goes flying. And it lands in Gus's arms. And lo and behold, the ring was in the bouquet the whole time. time. Couldn't couldn't have guessed that the button on the episode is that bobby at the front desk covers for sean and we find out later at the police station that sean gave the bus best man speech and he's already practicing for when gus gets married yes which i would actually enjoy that i would enjoy the the best man speech sean gives for gus yeah because be one would assume it's in a later season and Sean's not quite as awful. Yeah, and it would be charming and filled with all sorts of great anecdotes. I think he'd do a good job yeah. at a best man speech. Yeah. Sabrina. Yes. Did you figure it out? Yes. When they did the magic hands with the flower girl. It took me a second. Oh, wow. If I figured out well before then, hey, I think that's a wine and murder night first. I know, right? I think it was because I was just not really paying attention. (laughs) You know, honestly. Uh, No, I, at first I actually suspected it was the bride, but it was only because she had one of those wide-eyed faces, Mm kind of like in that episode of Midsummer Murders that we watched with Mm -hmm. the um, haunting. Yeah. She just has that really, like, innocent face, so it must be her. But the minute that Lacey tried to get Sean to get the bouquet out of the locked cabinet, I was like, oh. Oh, okay. So not that much longer. Not that much longer, but a couple scenes before. Yes. Did you like this episode? Eh, no. <laughs> I just really don't like this show. There were scenes that I liked. Yeah. Of the three, I think I might have liked this one the best. But I can't... I don't know. It had less dad, because I hate dad. But yeah. it didn't have enough Gus. So it... I'm waiting for an episode that will give me the balance of that. Yeah. No dad, all Gus. No No dad, all Gus. No Sean. No Sean. (laughs) This is just a Gus episode. Gus has to figure out everything by himself. Sean (laughs) has a full body cast. He can talk, so... No, he just has to write things on a pad. Yes. Uh, Sean with laryngitis. No, his jaw has been wired shut. Because he got punched in the face by the boyfriend of some girl he was macking on. There. Yeah. There we go. I like it. I like, we just wrote an episode of Psych. <laughs> we just literally right there. Wrote, that was like, like two minutes. How did you like your wine? I'm almost done. Damn, girl! Yeah. Uh, the problem I can't drink is, those sweet wines. It's sweet, so it tastes like juice. It tastes like grape juice. I can't drink those sweet wines. I can't, I usually don't either, but it literally tastes like grape juice. Like, it tastes like white grape juice. Out of ten, out of nine, how would you rate your very hard-to-pronounce German wine? Seven and a half. Eight. Eight out of nine. Big score. It literally tastes like grape juice. I, I'm not an alcohol drinker, so the less it tastes like alcohol, the more I'm gonna like it. <laughs> this? This Chianti is pretty decent. I think. Uh, so I'm about half done. Half done. I have Podcaster like a glass. Server. I have a glass left. It's pretty decent. I think it would be better with food and not just straight drinking. I don't think this is bringing out of all of its best qualities, but mm-hmm. it was $11 after tax. And so I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid 7.5. But I'll probably try to eat it with, drink it with some food, and see if that bumps it up the rating a little. 
Yes. Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Classlicity. And I'm at SDM Rights. And you can follow our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night, which you should do because this is our third episode of Psych, which means we'll have to vote for what we watch next soon. And the way that we decide what to watch next is we put out a Twitter poll. And the only way you can make sure that you get the show that you want to see on the show I listen to on here, this show? Whatever. Here, here, here. Here, too, on this show. <laughs> Is by voting in our Twitter poll. So go follow at Wine Murder Night. You should subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your fine podcasts. But if you leave us a lovely rating and review, we're going to give you a shout out on the show. And I want to give a shout out to Andy, who started her own cozy mystery podcast. Ooh, doggy. Gave us a lovely comment on the Twitters and called it, she fell in love with Wine Murder Night. And it called it laugh out loud, hilarious, and full, full of tongue-in-cheek love for the genre, which is the truth. We do love the genre a lot. Potential, not particularly this. <laughs> not this series. Potato series. But we'll probably be back in Britain or another land soon. Another one without uh, American accents. Another one without American accents. Or Canadian. But Thank you so much, Andy, for shouting us out on Twitter. Here's to you, Andy. As always, we would like to say what, Sabrina? Spasiba. Spasiba to Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Simple Life, our theme song, off the album Restart? I don't know. It's something like that. Till next time. Today's International Women's Day, and we had a quiz. I have to say this. And one of the questions on it was a general knowledge quiz, the portion, was what is the name of the current first lady? That's Melania Melania. Trump. I cannot tell you how many students put Ivanka Trump.